lots and lots of spoilers. Saludos, amigos! See what I did there? This week, we're aiming for bluer skies after last week's little rainstorm, as we wander through all the gilded loveliness that Pixar has to offer, deciding which indeed are the picks and which are the nostrils. Uh, (laughs) Some films will stand on their own. Some films will be trodden upon. After Cars 2, Audience Zero, we're going for that extra (laughs) point with Pixar Studios' Coco. Ah, Coco. Who doesn't love a good cup of piping hot cocoa? Well, that's it's little marshmallows. Mini marshmallows. Ding. Well, that's truly neither here there nor anywhere because we are. Mm. And who are we? The one who sits in his chair abolishing despair, that is the Tom Dela Cruz of critique, Magnifico Max Levine. And I'm Mike. Hola. <laughs> que pasa? Orale. <laughs> and I'm Mike Luce. I sit here quietly lest I get a pork chop to the face. A cold pork chop with a nice Chianti and fava beans. <laughs> I got a whole plate full of them with your name on them. Uh, <laughs> but hey, we're not here to talk about food. We're here to talk about movies. Yes. Speaking of movies, have we all gone out and seen Rogue Warfare 3 yet? Because it's there <laughs> somewhere. And it's a movie you might see. I question that. I have not seen it anywhere. Rogue Warfare, Warfare 3. Catch it. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, it's only a diver's watch, Beck Rogers, but whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just doing our due diligence in mentioning that Rogue Warfare 3 is, in fact, somehow a movie. Uh, and in existence. Somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Rogue Warfare Probably 3. So Might be even in focus. We're not sure. Yeah. Where's our freebies? <laughs> Yeah. I suppose if we had actually contacted them, we might have got some, considering how Maybe. many times we've mentioned this movie. but uh, Yes, we could have gotten free downloads of the movie to give away to people we really were mad at. <laughs> you know, maybe uh, if they put out enough, we could do a whole series on Rogue Warfare. <laughs> I can't even say Warfare. Rogue Warfare. Warfare. Where, Care Bears. There we go. Rogue <laughs> Care Bear. Rogue Care Bear. Uh, anyway, it, we, we know all that we know is it's made with actors and everything, I guess. So, <laughs> although actors could be in quotes. Uh, Max, I, I'm taking you haven't seen it yet. I'm still not convinced it actually exists, but sure. No? Well then, let's see to some business instead. Business. Hey, yeah. hey so we're all over the place. Uh, we are on Spotify. We're on podcast apps. Take your pick. Uh, if you do go to a podcast app and would like to leave us a nice little rating, that'd be cool. We'd like that. It might get us more listeners, because although we like both of our listeners, we'd like a third one. Uh, no, yeah. I know. There's more than three out there sometimes. <clears throat> yes. Also, we are big in Finland. We are? We are. I actually did a search for us, and an iHeartRadio page came up with our podcast on it in Finnish. I don't mean our podcast. I don't believe they translated it, but <laughs> everything on the page, and it was a dot fi site finland well do you want to be finnish sure we all do (laughs) okay so hey you finns finland 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 the country where i quite want to be pony trekking and camping camping. uh so yeah if you're in finland and would like to give us a a rating (laughs) of five Fins, Kroner. Or, sure. Uh, we'd love that. Um, hey, missed out on our other 114 episodes plus specials and cats? Then you could go to our website at uh, www.maxmikemovies.com. And speaking of maxmikemovies.com, you could email us. Why would you do so? Why not? That's, that's our best answer. 
uh, email us at us at maxmikemovies.com with your uh, large piles of cash, with your suggestions, your compliments. Um, or if you are if you happen to be a member of a royal family in some country and you need help getting <laughs> funds out, Mike and I are very, very gullible. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Oh, yeah. You know, gullible is not right. in the dictionary. Uh Oh, hey, can we put this on pause? There's something I have to do suddenly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so all that stuff. That's our business, because we're going to talk about, and maybe even sell later, some cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that kind of cocoa. Uh, Max, oh, one thing I forgot to mention. You probably won't yeah. believe this. There's some trivia associated with this film. No. Yes, and here it comes. The show. Hit me. Hit you with my best <laughs> shot. Uh, Rhythm stick. Hit me, hit me, hit me. Budget stuff. Budget. Yes. $175 million, notably less Lord. expensive than last week's film. It took this film, speaking of, of last week's film, sort of, it took this film only 19 days to beat Car 3, Cars 3's, Cars 3, Car 3's, Car 3's, three's? Three's <laughs> five-month run. Ooh. Worldwide, what a shock! Worldwide, it took fifty-three days, fifty-three days, to gross over seven hundred million dollars. <laughs> Final take, well over eight hundred million dollars. So, yeah, okay, that's a piece of success right there. I'd say so that. I think we can look forward to Coco Two, Coco Moco. <laughs> well, since she died, I'm kind of hoping we don't. Um, yeah. You know, dead people notwithstanding. Um, besides making some money, this Pixar film was number one at the box office more weeks than any other animated movie so far in this century. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Miguel sings in the movie has everything to do with his young actor and nothing to do with the script. It was only because Anthony Gonzalez, who voices Miguel, could sing so well that the character was changed to do that as well as play guitar. And I'm really glad they did. Um, because yeah. it does make that a big kid deal. has a voice. He does. Um, Speaking of uh, voices, well, well, we'll get to that later. <clears throat> Disney premiered this movie in Mexico three weeks before it did in the U.S. There, it became the highest-grossing film of the year, beating out another film you might have heard of called The Avengers. <laughs> ah, John Steed and Mrs. Peel. Yeah. No. It wasn't Tara Strong either. Uh, whereas many animated films take three to five years to complete, this one took six. And that would actually mean that <laughs> while Cars 2 was coming out, this one was being made. How many of the animators do you think were over on Cars 2 going, oh, come on, please, can I work on Coco instead? <laughs> I, I'm sure we'll talk about that. So, Well, not maybe about that specific thing. but <clears throat> So uh, there's a little naming trouble in this film. Uh, in Brazil, where they speak Portuguese, the oh, movie yeah. was not called Coco, as that is the Portuguese word for poop. <laughs> uh, if there's an accent over the second O, I read about that. That may be, but um, it's close enough yeah, that you yeah. know what would have happened. It's ah, I want to yeah. see the Disney film called Poop! <laughs> yeah, everybody would have been out there with a Sharpie screwing up the posters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, instead, so what did they call they it? They called it Viva. Which I'm guessing uh, okay. is the name for life or live, which is close to the Spanish word for, uh, or it's named after the paper towels. I don't know. <laughs> I bet, uh, I'm betting against that one, but sure. Probably not. Hey, if you know, write us in. Uh, Great grandma was in this fa fact uh, called Inés, which or Inés. Inés. I have no. I don't speak Portuguese. I'm not even going to pretend that I do. Sadly, we have a little menudo going on here, and as I said, we get to this. The original voice actor for Miguel hit puberty while the film was in its long production cycle. As Oops. such, he had to be replaced. He still has a bit part oh. as a stagehand. Later on, he has one, one line. Uh, 
he was uh, he was almost an angel. Sorry, that's a deep deeper there. That's a uh, there was a old Disney film called Almost Angels about singers who get puberty and then they can't be a menudo anymore or something <laughs> like that. Might have been the Vienna Boys Choir. Who knows? They could have been fined up to $5,000 per menudo. <laughs> Everyone loves menudo. <laughs> um, hey, Easter eggs galore, and there's far too many to list. Far too many. They, they get far too interested in this, but they include that goddamn Pizza Planet truck. It's in there. Um, there are many Mexican people of interest, including Frida Kahlo, the great mm. Santo, and Zapata. El Santo, El the Santo. silver saint. I love that he shows up. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that most, one of the, I think it's, I think he's arguably Mexico's most famous luchador. Probably. Um, sadly, uh, we don't get to see the Aztec mummy, but whatever. Um, we do see a movie poster in the background for Incredibles 2. Um, uh, John, John Ratzenberger's in here. He has literally one word. Um, it's because, of course, he's not Hispanic. Uh, his yeah. one word is, in fact, gracias. Uh, that's right. He's what it's something, his last name's Orthodontica. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he's basically can get to the land of the living because his dentist remembers who he is. Yeah, uh, there's Buzz and Woody pinatas and probably uh, lots of other things we'll never I see. I missed that. Um, I yeah, maybe we'll talk about uh, Easter yeah. eggs. Um, Disney gives and Disney takes away. When first <laughs> released, there was a short movie appearing before this feature. It was a little ditty called Olaf's Fit Frozen Adventure. Oh, Lord. But at 22 minutes long, it confused ah. patrons who thought they'd gone to the wrong movie. Less than a month after being released in theaters, the short was removed. Uh, I don't know about you, Max, but I remember that film, and it was interminable. Oh, <laughs> it was so long. And I gotta say, this wasn't just a question of adults being annoyed by a kid's short. Yeah. There was an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid sitting behind me during this short, and when, like, the 11th song started, the kid at the top of his lung goes, Oh, come on! <laughs> and I was like, Right! I am right there with you! <laughs> right there with you, pal! Wow, yeah. So, I mean, I, he was not my favorite character. I don't I don't remember the name of that. I didn't object to him, but the, the had, short was... Well, that the short was too long, but... Uh, which, mm. wait, does that make sense? Short was too... Yes, anyway, yes uh, it didn't feel like a short. It felt like a long... I felt he needed not to be in that stupid Elsa movie. Um, he just, to me, he was like, you don't fit. You don't look like the rest of the movie. Yeah. You're, I don't need you. Uh, please yeah. melt. That's, Whatever. It's another story. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we'll be doing uh, uh, Frozen at all, ever, I hope. Um, Hold my beer. Uh, I, you don't like <laughs> beer. <laughs> I know. I all had, well, yes, I didn't say it was open. Well, then I, I'm going to drink it. Um, this would be the last non-sequel Disney movie we'd get for a while. We're still waiting on that. But Soul, which is due out on Disney Plus in December, will be their first original film since. Um, that and Rogue Warfare 3. <laughs> <laughs> that was not Pixar. I think it is. <laughs> if it was Pixar, I'd go see it. But it's spelled P-I-C-K-S-A-R. So ah, yeah. ah, that makes more sense. Um Coco would be the ninth Pixar movie to win Best Animated Feature and the third to win Best Song. Good for it. Yep. Lest we forget, this is a PG-rated movie. I'm still trying to figure out how this is PG, but Cars 2 was G. Yeah, well, the, a lot more death imagery, and there's an actual on-screen murder of a human being. Yeah, but there's as a... As opposed to blowing I, up a car. It's true, they were cars, so... Yeah. Yeah, somehow that's less... And they burst of into... Of course. They burst into flame! <laughs> um, 
but whatever. Okay, fine. Actually, he sort of dies, although he doesn't really die the second time. But um, the original title of this movie was Dia de los. I'm sorry, Dia de los Muertos. Disney, in a move that should have been stopped multiple times, tried to <laughs> trademark that phrase to protect merchandising oh, rights down oh, the road. Oh, good lord! Not, they tried to. That's like trying to trademark Christmas. Yes, the word. Yes. Not surprisingly, many, many people objected to this blatant cultural appropriation, and a few weeks later, the mouse changed his mind and the title of the movie. I mean, really? Seriously. (sighs) Uh, Like all other Pixar movies before it, Bumpy the Wonder Pony does, in fact, not appear in this film. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, he doesn't, which would have doomed the film to obscurity. No, no, Bumpy felt left out. Didn't you, Bumpy? Uh, and hey, did I mention Easter eggs? Oh, yeah, right. I yep, guess you I did. did. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, do you know any other uh, bits of trivia before I do the plot? Uh, no, only one thing, and that is, uh, I have to say, we really should have thought about the timing of this this episode because it's going. By the time it comes out, it's almost, but not quite, the actual Day of the Dead, which is which runs from October thirty first to November second. Well, that gives people time to watch it. That is true. Gives you it's a very. By the way, that is a very nice both Halloween and Day of the Dead thing to do. Just watch this movie. Yes. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, and hey, uh, one of the things I want to say right at the top, uh, we're going to try our best to not give the ending away because this is a more recent Pixar film. Um, I don't know how successful we'll be at that, but yeah. yeah we'll try. If you haven't seen try. it, stop the tape right here. Go and watch <laughs> the movie, and then come back. We'll wait. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. But do, 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 uh, do. plot. Young Miguel lives with his family somewhere in Mexico. The family business is shoes and only shoes. They are many and happy except for one thing. Miguel's passion is music, something that has been outlawed by the family for generations due to an ancestor leaving his family in search of fame and fortune via voice and guitar. They're cops! No, wait, that's not right. Um, (laughs) Miguel idolizes a town son, one Ernesto de la Cruz, the most famous entertainer in the world. Following his lead, Miguel goes to enter a talent contest on Dia de Muertos, which is apparently the correct way to say it. You leave out the los, but whatever. The uh, Day of the Dead, a festival that celebrates family, those here, and lost. Having no guitar of his own, he breaks into Dela Cruz's mausoleum where the legendary instrument hangs. This enacts a curse as he's stolen from the dead instead of giving to them. Miguel finds himself half-dead, able to see and be seen by those who have passed and unable to be seen by those in the living world. He must make amends with his family to gain their blessings so he can return to the dead... Wait, return to the living before the festival ends at sunrise. Little little twist there. But the family he meets are the very ones that forbade music in the first place. They will only give their blessing if he swears off music forever. Does Miguel have a closer connection to De La Cruz than even he suspects? Will his family ever accept music or always see it as evidence of betrayal? And what about Scarecrow's brain? Ah, but that would be telling. (laughs) Plot. Yeah, I think that covers it pretty well. Yeah. The lowdown. So, uh, spoiler, I've seen this many times, many times. I uh, Probably close to ten times. Wow. Because um, I hate it so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think this is actually the, only the, second, the first time I've seen this since it was in the theaters. Oh. Huh. It's... it's I probably, I'm trying to think, I may cry at this film, Pixar film, more than any of the other Pixar films. Usually Pixar takes its moment. Yeah, I know. 
Usually <laughs> takes its moment by stabbing an old lady or you know running a cat's face through a meat grinder. You know some other uh, things that just make you cry the way it good times, are. good yeah. times, <laughs> great taste. Um, for me, it's every song. Every song in this film just gets me, and I don't know why. I mean, they're all beautiful. Wait, Poco Loco makes you cry? It does. Really? I, because he's it's so, so happy. It's so much fun. It it's is. such a great song. <laughs> but it's the first time that we see Miguel really just, he gets, oh. the first time he really gets to perform, and he's so happy. And that gets to me. I love seeing him perform, and I love seeing Miguel happy. In fact, oh. Miguel, we start off the bat with Miguel. And we like him right off. I don't know about you, but it's like I instantly like Miguel. Absolutely, now, the, he's a completely likable character, and you get him immediately. Yep. And the, the thing—the thing that's so great about him is, yes, he—he he loves this forbidden thing, but there is no contempt for his family. It's not like he, he's not all emo about it. Like you guys just don't understand, man. You guys are so phony. <laughs> yeah. See. There's no black turtlenecks here. No, they, you know, he's not sitting there blasting the cure or... <laughs> yeah, putting on black lipstick or something. Well, of course... No, he lo- it's so clear. And his relationship with his great-grandmother, you know, Mama Coco, yeah. is so sweet. It is. I love it when he dresses her up as a luchador. <laughs> and he, obviously, he's dre- and he's dressed as one of their playing Mexican wrestler, although she's just sitting there. Yeah. But he's he likes being with her. And yeah. immediately, how can you not like this kid? I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um... And, you know, one of the other things that I, I'm sure I was aware of it when I first saw the film, and then later on it's like, oh, whatever. There is not a single white person in this film. Not one. Does that matter? No. Not oh, at all. John Ratzenberger. <laughs> and to be fair, he is in his bone persona at that point. Oh, yeah. Bone sona, if you will. I'm sure I just made that up. Um, and they Thankfully, they did go and get uh, an all-Hispanic uh, or Latina Latino cast. Um, the co-director is... Latin as well. And this, excuse me, I shouldn't have had soda. Pardon the belching. Oh, that's a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know. Well, I had to get something quick. Yeah. Um, this, this actually leads into one of my talking points. Um, and now I want to say that uh, I think it's really interesting. We didn't do this on purpose, but I think it's really interesting that we did Cars 2 last week and this film this week because the portrayal of culture is shall we say night and day <laughs> yeah yes this is not like tourist culture it's also what i like is the traditions and the culture it's not like the movie stops and goes and on this holiday this is what we do right or these are the traditional foods of the mexican fa-. it's all integrated into the story yeah i mean they don't po- go out of their way you know those orange blossoms the marigold petals. Yeah. Yes, the marigolds. That is the traditional flower for the Day of the Dead. They don't say that, and they don't have to. Nope. It's so apparent. And oh. it's... It, there. I mean, if you've watched it as many times as I have, some of the dialogue starts to feel a little expository, but that's only because I've seen this so many times. It's generally introduced oh. very subtly, and they don't hit you over the head with it. They give you as much as you need to know. They don't tell you why the skulls are all painted up cool. It's not important. It's part of the tradition. We get to see it, and it's cool. And it looks amazing. And the other thing, again, I love the way the family is portrayed. This mm-hmm. is so not Disney. The kid has both his parents, you know, at the same time, and they make it through the movie. Ooh, spoiler. (laughs) And uh, even the the sort of 
there's no evil family member, not not among the living, but there's there's nobody like even the the grandmother who hates music and refute and doesn't want him to do it, and she's very oh you will not, very you know imperious about it. She does it because she genuinely thinks it's best. Right. She's really worried about him when he she finds out he wants he likes he loves music. It's not like you are defying me. It's like no, this is this is terrible. This will hurt you. This yeah. will hurt the family. She's she she does this because she cares, not because of some irrational hatred. Well, in a way, it is though. But uh, well, my it's, no- it's well, my note on her was she's amazing and terrifying. She's one of those people, and apparently, this is a thing that I did not know about. But if you see, uh, is it Abuelita? I, I, my, yeah, I don't uh, yeah, have speech. Abuelita. But when you see Abuelita reach for her shoe, you'd better run. <laughs> I love that. It's like as soon as she, like when she goes to the. Uh, Plaza de, Ma- de Mariachi, yeah. and <laughs> she starts hitting the guy with a shoe. Then later on, she takes it off and throws it at a dog, and it's like, "Don't name dogs. They will. They, they, then they they will only follow you. Go get my shoe." Uh, <laughs> it's like that's a thing. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I hadn't thought about this till you just mentioned this. But she's actually a really interesting study because she is the, in a way, the personification of when people follow traditions without actually thinking about what they mean. And she probably doesn't know the actual reason that music is bad. It's just she's been told this throughout her life by her mother. And by her mother ma- was by told Mama by... Coco, who well, was... Well, more importantly, by Mama Imelda. Because yeah. Mama Imelda is really the one who was... was she was the uh, one who was really hurt. Right. And doesn't know why. It's just how she was brought up. But if we sit there and look at her in a way, as a sort of a crux. She represents what happens when you follow tradition without actually finding out what it's for or why it was followed. I don't know if you'd call it tradition. She's following a family prejudice. A tradition makes it sound like it's cultural. It's not. I mean, music... The sound, the town of what is South Cecilia... Saint Cecilia Cecilia is the patron saint of music. This is not like a town that hates music. Obviously, because there's mariachis everywhere and there's people (laughs) playing in the streets. But... It's a family hatred. It it was passed down through the family. It's less a tradition and more of a family prejudice. You can have a tradition that's just in a family. Uh, family yeah, tradition, yeah, sure. But again, I, it's hard to see it as a tradition. It's more of a taboo. Eh, it still is. It is, but it's it's not like it's elf on the shelf. But you know, thankfully, <laughs> very few things yeah. are. Um, but I still like that idea that it's like this is how these things happen. We follow them without questioning them, and we get into trouble. And eventually, somebody comes around. In this case, Miguel, and goes wait, A, why are we doing this? And B, why do I have to do this? Because that's not how I feel at all. And as you pointed out, it's not evil. It's music. Part of what he is, is there's very Disney about it. It's a little bit of, you know, I want more. Except you notice, that was the other one of the things I really like about this being a musical. None of the songs, nobody breaks into song in the middle of the street. Nobody, the songs aren't integrated that way, they're part of the narrative in that people pick up instruments and began to play and sing very well, specifically. The songs are part of the story, but they aren't artificial. Well, half the time they're either part of a uh, a contest a show, usually, or they're yeah. part of a show that's going on. It's not really technically a musical. Um, there's not enough. There's no 11 songs, uh, which, yeah, the 11 there, songs. There are quite a few, but... Uh, yeah, but it's not the traditional... There's not enough music to make it a musical, and that was that's fine. Um, I honestly try to picture what this film would be like if Miguel only played guitar. Like, it would be... I don't think it would have quite as much punch, but... 
you know, good for our little, uh, our little, he's probably <laughs> like 20 by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the voice actor for this being able to have such an amazing voice because he does. And not having a and, crack like that other kid. And, and again, the songs in this, they're all really good. Yeah. And it's so surprising because like you say, you tear up at uh, Poco Loco. The one where I, t- the first one I tear up at is when Hector, who is one of the dead that Miguel meets in the Land of the Dead, is singing this really kind of raunchy song <laughs> called Everyone Knows Juanita right. to... The dying, uh, what was this? What was the guy? Oh, uh, Chicharron, Chicharron, who is Edward James Olmos. Oh, is that who that was? <laughs> yes, who is awesome. <laughs> and yeah. he's singing to him while he is dying, and it's this—you know—it's a comic song. It's a comic folk song, and it's so touching. And yeah. that, for example, it's, it's another great moment where there you see Hector's character. Yes, he's kind of a rascal. He's de- he's willing to do anything to get what he wants. But he also loves, and you see it in that moment, and we haven't seen that before. Yeah. I think that the thing about uh, Hector is that he has changed since he's died. Because his one whole thing is he needs to get back to the living for reasons that I won't actually explain and see if I can keep from explaining them. Um, But he's desperate to get back to the living and uh, on the Day of the Dead. He's not trying to become a zombie or something. No. But he knows that his time is running out. And we know what the time running out means because, unfortunately, we see Chicharron die. Um, I think I read in trivia that Chicharron is also slang for the word that Hector doesn't sing. Um, Oh. (laughs) Yeah. I could be okay. wrong on that. But uh, so apparently what happens is if you are not remembered, if there's nobody left alive who remembers you, yeah. you then fade and pass on into something that nobody understands what that is. Uh, interestingly, this is a little bit of trivia. Sometimes I save these things for the discussion. Um, in the tradition of the ofrenda, uh, which is a more or less a familial altar on which you put things like photos of, of family members, perhaps... Um, little trinkets or things that you yeah. remind you of them. And Offerings on the day of the of dead, flower, well, on the day of the such. dead, you put food and stuff on there too. Yeah. As well uh, as on the graves. Mm-hmm. Yes. Apparently in tradition, there is also an ofrenda for those who are forgotten. But if they had included that in the movie, it would kind of mess up the plot. So they just yeah. sort of swept that yeah, part kinda. aside. And, and again, that's the whole thing with the day of the dead is it's the idea that the, that's the day the dead can cross back and come to the land of the living not to, like, frighten people or no. hurt anybody, but just to see them, to see their families, to see that they're doing well. And it's the day that the family is supposed to go to the graves and make sacrifices. I mean, you're not supposed to use that word. They're, they're offerings of flowers and food. It's a sacrifice. I would be willing to bet way back they probably killed small animals. I, well, part of the thing... Because that's how thing- every culture has done it, in the, in the, if you go far enough back. Well, the thing is, is that parts of the culture are from the Mesoamericans and some of it from the Spanish. So they're mixed. Like, apparently the petal, of course, is not native to Spain. It's native to Central and South... Yeah, Central and South America. And uh, so it's from the Mayans or the... I don't remember which uh, peoples it was originally from. Um, The Alabrije, too, I think, are more uh, based in the lore of the Mesoamericans. And they were initially from the Spanish. And man, aren't how, how many of those did you want? I wanted oh, all of them. <laughs> oh my, I, yeah, the Alabrihi are the uh, spirit guides. I yeah. wanted I wanted a Pepita doll 
the tiger with the wings. Oh man, she she looks so cool. I think and she's technically sort of a griffin because she's got eagle. Is she? Well, she's she got like, wings. Yeah. Well, I mean, not traditionally. She, you couldn't say, oh, she's a European griffin. But she had eagle's hind legs and oh, she okay. had eagle wings. Um, and she was, I'm guessing she was a lion of some sort. Um, uh, I thought, I thought, well, lions, I don't think are native to Central well, South America or Mexico. Neither are tigers. <laughs> I thought that they had, well, they might have been a jaguar then. Must escape from the zoo. <laughs> but um, it, yeah, they, I mean, we got to then talk about the way the land of the dead looks. Oh, dear is, God. Uh, is amazing. And apparently that was one of the most technically difficult shots to do because there are so many separate little buildings and stuff. And the layers, there's um, such depth to that when they show you the yeah. whole city of the dead. And apparently it's based on, visually it's somewhat based on an actual town that's built on a hill. Mm-hmm. because it, And the buildings yep. are so close together, they look like they're stacked on each other. Yeah. And the color um, palette. It, oh, Lord. Yeah, it's it's all the colors. Mm. Um, and the Alabrija especially are just like neon and flashing. The little monkey <laughs> who is uh, apparently Frida Kahlo's Alabrija, uh, he, his his stuff changes color and he breathes fire and stuff. And he's he actually reminded me a lot of, I think his name's Pascal in Tangled, um, just his mannerisms. But he's cool. I like, I even like what... Um, uh, what's the stupid Dante turns into uh-huh. eventually? Oh, spoiler! I gave that away. Um, it's fine. Um, I just they're they're cool, and I know that they do like you can buy them. That is a thing you can buy along with the sugar uh-huh. skulls and all that stuff. Um, I mean, Halloween's fun, but quite honestly, Day of the Dead looks like a lot more. Apparently, fun. Day of the Dead is a party like no other. I mean, this is like bigger than Carnival or <clears throat> or, or Mardi Gras or any of it. It's supposed to be amazing. Hmm. But uh, so the film, yeah. well, not only, not only is the film fun, if you want to go this way, you can. It's educational. I know we don't like that word in our entertainment, <laughs> but it is. You know, so do I know everything about Mexican truck culture? No, but I know something about it, and I actually have a little respect for it. And now it's like oh, I got a little thing I could talk about and would open doors in a conversation. Um, we learned a few words here and there, the same way that that uh, Sesame Street used to do it. Um, but it's cool. There's there's like no sense of them downplaying the culture at any point, unlike cars. <laughs> um, nothing is done like, oh, isn't this part of the culture funny? Let's laugh at this part. No, it's, it's not. everything is it's a celebration or it's very matter of fact. It's just amazing. Yeah. And you want to know more about it. Yeah. I yeah, I'm interested. Um like, does the spirit animal, what, does that reflect something? Uh, is it, what can they do? Apparently this movie, they can do just about anything. Yeah. Um, but I, it's it's cool. And we learn a little bit more about the way the families work, right? So obviously the grandparents are really the heads of the family. I mean, Mama Coco, she's, you know, she's unfortunately probably not really there much. Um, that's that's one of the saddest things in the movie. They do a really good, they do a painfully good job of depicting her mental deterioration what's right. clearly dementia or you know senility because mama coco has got to be you know pushing 100 years old yeah and but she's losing it she doesn't i mean she doesn't remember who her daughter is at one point right and well she doesn't remember miguel either she calls him something else yeah and it that it's so heartbreaking when she th- you know, every time she thinks you know her father has come home Right, because that's the big thing, is that she's waiting for her father to come home. Ugh. But it's Grandma. Grandma runs everything with that shoe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is no question of defying Grandma. 
And it's interesting, and everyone falls in line, right? Because yep. we see the parents of both fall in line. Although, thankfully, the one point near the end of the film, the father actually questions things and in, does, in fact, hold Abuelita back. Yeah, when when Miguel is trying to is starting to sing to Mama Coco, and Abuelita wants to stop him, and his her fa- the father goes, "No, hang on." That's the other thing. His parents, it's clear they are, you know, they take their direction. From Mama Abuelita, but they're not comic, ineffectual parents, you know? No. They're just this, we understand this, this is the way it's supposed to be, and we trust uh, Mama Abuelita, so we're going to do what she, what she says, because that's what you do, except right. when, okay, I think you're making a mistake here, I'm going to say so. Right. Um, and there's lots of kids, and they're obviously all close together. This is not... I think one of the reasons this hit, this film hits me as hard as it does is it's not the kind of family I grew up with. My family on both sides, when they had kids, they spread to the four winds. That's it. That's just what they did. And it was interesting that both sides of my family did this. Uh. So my father and his sister, I don't think, have lived in the same state since the 60s. Um, and my aunt's two daughters, I have no idea where they are. Um, my one of my mother's brothers had seven kids, none of whom lived in the same state from each other. Um, and it's, and her brothers also spread all over the country. Um, and so I just it's never f- grew up in this kind of family. And part of me is like, well, this is really nice. I wish I had that. And part of me is like, oh, my God, I, I would, like, leave for every holiday. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's not a comment on the family. It's this family's no, actually it's just very, really nice. It's very different. No, the family is terrific, and it's one of those wow, like four or five generations eat at the same table. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, and that's one of the things I think the central thing about this film is family. Yeah. But they also make the point it's like family, but you also do have to listen to the individual, and that's you know when I was talking about Abuelita earlier and her you know steadfast we will not have music is she probably doesn't even know why that's just how she was brought up and thankfully miguel finds out why well she kn- she he- knows why to a degree she's been brought up being told by mama coco that you know mom that her uh, abuelita's grandfather abandoned the family to right. follow his dream of being musician it went off and never came back we don't find right. out until later that that's not strictly what happened no but they're brought up In with fact- that and it's part of the aband i mean for, never mind the personal abandonment that a child mm-hmm. would feel when the father just mm-hmm. disappears, which would scar the whole family. Right. But it's also, he abandoned a family. He abandoned his family culturally. I mean, hell, we're a little uh, we're a little more blasé about it in this country, but it's still, it's a terrible thing to do. Yeah. And it is damaging on, on many levels. So, yeah, he com- they think he committed a terrible crime and he kind of did. Although, he didn't mean he was, you know, we find out later there were other circumstances. Things are not what they seem. Yeah. Except um, he did go off. He really did he leave. He did. But it seems well, we're you know, yeah. just giving stuff away. Usually we don't care cuz the films have been out a long time, but yeah. this is not that old. It's only 3 years old. Um and I don't know. I know that a lot of people friends of mine I, if i ask them if they've seen pixar movies they mostly see yes for strange reasons uh, that i don't understand this is one that people often say they didn't see huh. um so i kind of we're, we're obviously we, we, we'll, we'll get to the end and you, nobody will be surprised but 
Part of the reason I don't want to give it away is I really would like people to see this. Yeah, movie. no, no, I get um, that, and you, I don't know if we need to uh, truly give it away, but like no. I say, and the thing with the thing is, as you say, that the major theme is you don't desert the family, and the 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 family comes first, and Miguel learns that because, yep. and this again is not major plot point, but at the end he says, "All right, you're right. It doesn't matter. My I I love music, but my family is more important." And then, right, of course, it comes first. Yeah, it co- the family comes first. And when they went to hear this, you know, Mama Melda, the original head of the family, says, you know, you know, basically, well, you realize that, and I realize we may have been wrong. So, you know, we get here is I give you my blessing, and you you want to play music? Go ahead and play music. Yeah. Well, there's one point where he needs her blessing because <laughs> literally he can't leave in the afterlife. Uh, where we in the in the real living world we have Abuelita who's in charge of everything. Well, in the afterlife, it's Mama Imelda. She plays the same role. <laughs> she she may have even originated the shoe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but all the other dead relatives around her are like, oh no, we we whatever she says goes. Doesn't matter. Oh. It has no. It doesn't matter how old or young they were when they passed on. Doesn't matter who's been there longer. It's no. It's Mama Imelda. And oh. at one point, finally, Miguel Miguel. Miguel <laughs> Miguel gets to say something that's very important that changes her mind. And he says, you're not supporting me. A family's supposed to support people in the family, and you're not supporting me. You're you're forcing me away because of your lack of support. And then there's this incredibly touching moment where he thinks that she hates music, and he doesn't really understand yet why. And she starts singing. And it's beautiful. Oh, what a and voice. She, and that's one of the songs that causes me to tear up. And then she'll come back later. Well, she'll do the same song again. And it's amazing. Yeah, I, we, um, we got to talk about the voice acting in this. And also that 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 is uh, Mama Imelda is Alana Ubach, who is a pretty well-known voice actor. That is her singing as well as speaking. And when she sings La Llorona, which is the, we, the weeping woman. Oh, is that what it means? Yeah. Okay. It's so beautiful. I mean, it's gorgeous. It and, and all of the voices in this, and the singing is all terrific. The guy, you know, Benjamin Bratt, for God's sake, who I knew from Law and Order, I think, was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he he's, he's De La Cruz. Oh, De La Cruz, right. Yeah, Hector, oh, I forgot the guy's name already, is a really major Mexican actor. Yeah. Uh, he's got three names. That's a kid, <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how to pronounce the first one. I, I think it's G-A-E-L. It's Gail Gail, Gail Garcia Bernal, and the guy's a legend, and he's what a voice he has. Yeah, but all Uh, even the little things. Did you recognize Gabriel Iglesias? No, he's in it. He's the clerk. He's the guy who's allergic. It was allergic to the dog. It's like, but my dog doesn't have any fur. Yes, and I don't have a nose, but there it is. (laughs) But here we are. No, I didn't. I I knew he was in there somewhere, but I didn't know who. Uh, I love the fact that uh, they're using seriously dead tech, meaning a Macintosh computer. (laughs) Yes, an original Macintosh and walkie-talkies. Yeah, with bulbs in them and stuff. All the tech Um, in in the land of the dead is dead technology. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to derail. Yeah, the voice acting is excellent. Uh, um, to be fair, I don't know most of these people. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. They got the right people, and this goes back to that little—not even an argument, but that point we've made before—and that you don't need some big name actor. Uh, and of course, these people may be bigger in Spanish films or Mexican films than they are here, whatever. But an American audience does not need Tom Hanks. 
I'm not saying Tom Hanks didn't do a good job. No, but but celebrity stunt casting is not necessary if you've got a no. if you've got a good enough movie if you've got everything else works and yeah, I mean certainly the kid who carries most of the film he was nobody right. Yeah. I mean he'd done some stuff locally and stuff, but he was not certainly not had a, didn't have a part. This like This wasn't like Haley Joel Osment or something. No, this was a yeah, and and he yeah. without him without his voice I think. Uh, the movie and his performance. I don't think the the movie would have worked nearly as well, and it it does. It works beautifully. It does. Uh, I'd like to bring up a, a little point for conversation here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not so challenging a movie. Uh, you know, unlike some of the films that Pixar made in the past, like Inside Out, Wall-E, or Up. Um, it's not one of those real, or perhaps even the way Soul is going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it doesn't have that. I mean, Wally, especially. It's like uh, we're not going to talk for the first hour and a half. Is that okay <laughs> at all? No. <laughs> yeah, or, ah. or up where? Hi. Guess yeah. what? We're going to make the audience cry in the first ten minutes. Oh, and the main character is an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> or Inside Out, which is one of your favorites. Hey, this is a movie about the various aspects of your personality. Enjoy, kids. Psych 101 <laughs> animated. Um, so this is not one of those films. No, it's it's a pretty straightforward story, and although some of the hmm? well, I actually had a question. Yeah, as part of that. So, does this still feel like a Pixar film to you? And do you, if it does, do you feel like Pixar in some way is trying to shake off its its previous identity with that kind of film? Um, I think it does feel like a Pixar film because while it's true the story is fairly straightforward, the themes and the setting they're talking about death. They are dealing with death and the afterlife. That's not easy to do. People don't like to do that in children's films. Yeah. I well, mean, no, I got to say, the dead look like they're having a really good time. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the dead. Although, come on, <laughs> apparently the dead still, there are still the poor. You know, right. there are slums in the land of the dead. Well, and that seems to be most still, of the forgotten. There is still the fear, in effect, of death for the dead, the ones who are right. forgotten. Right. So it's not like, being in the land of the dead is uh, is all sunshine and roses, because it clearly isn't. And let's face it, eventually everybody gets forgotten. Sure. So eventually they're all going to disappear. They'll be, you know, the population will be. One thing nobody stops doing is dying. So <laughs> there's there's always going to be more. But it's not an eternity. That's pretty clear. So, so you say that the themes and stuff. What do you think, if you can, discuss? What kind of things make a Pixar film a Pixar film? Lord. Well, I, hey, we're doing this series. Yeah. Beyond, well, I mean, the obvious stuff is the physical, the animation. It's all yeah. computer animated, and it all has to be gorgeous. Because let's face it, even their bad movies or their less good movies, it, the animation is still remarkable. But it also, in the good ones, they tap into genuine emotions. That's why I always say the good Pixar movies are the ones that make you cry. Right. Like Cars 3 and Cars 2. Okay, never mind. Yes. (laughs) Well, yes, I cried. You know, the first time I saw Cars 2, I did cry. It's like, I spent $10 on this. (laughs) (laughs) You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll kiss three bucks. Goodbye. (laughs) But uh, what makes a Pixar? Uh, First of all, I think a lot of the Pixar movies explore fairly complicated emotional issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, Finding Nemo. It's about a, a, the, a parent's fear for their child, but the need to let go versus the need to protect. That's mm-hmm. fairly complicated stuff. Toy Story, Toy Story 2, it's the, the fear of, and 3, is the fear of what happens during when you grow up. 
Um, yeah, especially in uh, Finding Nemo, it's uh, also the learning to speak whale. Uh, yes, there's that. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, but it's also you know moving outside of your comfort zone, dealing with uh, yeah. it's dealing with trauma, and uh, in this again, it's the balance of what you want what versus what is best for the family. Mm-hmm. What you uh, and also the balance between life and death, and the fact that you can't steal from one to give to the uh, from the other. Uh, I think it. I think the main thing for me that make pick really good Pixar movies really good is the emotional depth. That it's not just oh I'm the chosen one and I have to defeat the evil guy or oh I'm just I'm just someone who apparently is secretly a princess and I have to find my destiny. Anything, Sigh. Yeah, that's one of the things I am really glad you. I don't think you ever get in a Pixar movie is destiny. There's no destiny. There's no, a lot of it, while epic things happen, they aren't epic quests. They're people. They're real. No escaping that for me. (laughs) Yes, thank you, young Frankenstein. (laughs) I would like to say that the better, at least the better of Pixar films, besides what you just brought up, which is all, all really good points, I also want to say that in general, they challenge the audience in some manner, the better ones. And this one, the most challenging part, I think, is that the main audience for this film is obviously not Mexico. Because if it was, they wouldn't bother explaining anything. The main audience for this film is everybody else. So they're challenging you with another culture. They're saying, here's this other culture. It's cool. We're going to give you just enough to get by. We want you to actually face this culture and accept it, which you should. We want you, and, and we want you to see that it's beautiful and remarkable yeah. and worth learning about. Okay, yeah, I can see that. That's true. The best ones do. Wally is a big challenge. Like, look, this is what's going to happen to your world unless we do something. Or right, sure. Uh, Inside Out. It's like talk about. I mean, if that the girl in Inside Out, if she hadn't, which we may or may not talk about, if she was like, oh, we will, two years older. Oh boy, would that have been a different film? Oh my god, I don't, that would not be PG. That'd be. Yeah. Like, well, even say um, that, like the button on the panel. What's puberty? <laughs> ah, touch that. that can't be important. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I, I, I just thought it was something we might want to talk about because Pixar and Disney films, superficially, are harder and harder to tell apart. Yeah. So far, Disney film tends to still be where we get the princess because that's still somehow a thing. Um, and they're going to continue to do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, stuff and uh, what's the other reasons? thing? Reasons. Um, reason? Yeah, that's it. Yep. yep. <laughs> Disney yeah. makes reason toast. No, I, I, no, I um, think that makes sense. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think pick the really good Pixar films are challenging. They aren't just they, – they fly in the face of some of the tropes. The Incredibles, I think, are like that too. It's a superhero movie, but it's a family. It's about a family, really. And we, again, may or may not talk about that film. The mother character in that film is the best mother ever. Dear God. Oh, she's so great. She is. And we'll leave that alone. But she's the star. It's like, oh, Mr. Incredible. No, 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 no. And they they really posit him as the star or the center. And it's like, no, watch her. She's the amazing one because she's the only thing keeping anything together. And she's doing like three or four things at a time. Probably the way most mothers do. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, did you have any uh, talking points that you wanted to bring up? Uh, I, had a, like I, I had a couple. I really like the fact that the big song in the movie, Remember Me, 
is it's not only sung a couple of different times in different ways, but the, it's interpreted two radically different ways. And it's the part of the idea of that's true about music, that music can be done, a song can be done in two different ways and, and change the meaning, even if uh, you don't change the lyrics or the melody. Mm-hmm. Because when Dela Cruz sings it, it's a romantic ballad. It's, it, it's a love song. But that wasn't what it was meant to be. It was this ode from a father to his daughter. Right. And it, it's and the way they they illustrate that is just beautiful. It is. I mean, when it's sung, when we finally... We get to see first, just visually, we get to see, oh, that's not the way it was supposed to be performed. But then when we see how it's performed... If you haven't cried at this by this point, you're going to now, okay? Because it's it's an amazing moment in the film. And the best part is that it's not where you sit there and go, oh, well, one of these versions makes sense, but the other one doesn't work at all. They both work they perfectly well. They work fine. It's just they're very different. One of the big examples of this, this is something my mother played for me when she was trying to explain when I was young the, the idea of style, how style and uh, of can change the meaning of something. And she played me two versions of the same song. Right. One of them is... This is the Ray Charles one? This was Yesterday, the Beatles song right. Yesterday. And she first played me the Paul, you know, the Beatles version with Paul McCartney. And then she played the one that Ray Charles sings. And it's two, It's the same song, but it's two completely different songs. And if you get a chance, I really recommend listening to them that way. Because it's, yep. it's like songs of innocence and experience. It's amazing. The one other thing I did want to bring up and just because it's sort of a small elephant in the room, is one of the problems that people had with this movie, uh, superficially, and this is mostly people who didn't see it, is three years earlier, a a movie came out called The Book of Life. Yes. Which was also a movie ostensibly dealing with the Day of the Dead. I think it's Jorge Gutierrez who did... uh, um the, t- uh, the tiger cartoon, oh, which I loved. Oh, okay. Um, Manny Rivera. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, it's, it's a great little cartoon. Sadly, it only ran, like, I think, one season on Country Network. But uh, I think it's Jorge Gutierrez okay. who did uh, that film. And, okay. Apart from the fact that, yes, they both deal with the Day of the Dead, these are completely different movies. Yeah. They have nothing to do with each other. I really liked uh, Book of the Dead or I, Book of Life. I thought it was okay. I'm not a huge fan uh, uh, the look was really remarkable. Everyone's done like sort of wooden puppets. Yeah. And honestly, that one always felt like a much more traditional movie. That I didn't feel terribly challenged by. But uh, if that ever bothered you, if that's why you didn't see it, don't bother. Coco is not a ripoff of it. No. It just, they have nothing to do with each other. They're both good. I like Coco better. But that, oh, yeah. But I think it's a matter of taste. But they're both worth seeing, and you know you don't have to, you don't have to feel defensive of one. Yeah, and I think that it was a matter of timing because Coco took so long for mm. production. Yeah, um, that it's I don't think it's you could sit there and say oh it's it's they they got this idea and suddenly made it's like Pixar and Disney don't suddenly make anything. Yeah, um, I honestly think that it was El Tigre. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Um, if you have not seen El Tigre, El Tigre is one of the fastest moving cartoons I have ever seen. Yeah, it'll make you it's dizzy hilarious. if you're not careful. I love El Tigre. I think El Tigre is great. Uh, um, and he's sort of this little kid superhero luchador thing, and it's just great. Um, but um, I also think that the culture is a little more accessible in Coco than it is in 
um, Book of Life. I think in Book of Life, it feels a little bit more like the audience knows more. Like they don't talk, they don't really talk about it much. Um, and of course, it has a lot of non-Latin actors. Um, I forget who played. Like the guy who played the villain is some big name. And I can't uh, well, yeah, but you also have Channing Tatum is in it, then. Uh, yeah, that's Ron Perlman. Yeah, and it's like, which is weird because the director of that film was, in fact, Mexican. Well, whatever. Um, yeah, definitely not a reason not to see this film. See both of them. Yeah. They're both good. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this film, and I don't notice most of it, but it's one of those things where if you watch it over and over again, you see tons of stuff. Uh, like the table that Miguel knocks into in the beginning of the film is a table of alabrijes. And oh, I didn't get a chance to look, that. but I'm willing to bet that all of them are on that <laughs> table. Like the ones we meet later are oh. all there. And this is not to suggest that it's a dream sequence, because it's not. Oh, um, no, that's never even hinted at. It's meant to be very, it seems very real. Things like uh, the dog Dante, who is this stray dog. He's a, apparently a Sholo dog, which is a native to that area, a hairless dog who apparently has a... Uh, a problem with it with its teeth falling out and so its tongue often does in fact hang out exactly like Dante's does. <laughs> oh dear. Um but he, whenever uh Miguel and this other character are together, the dog's calm and he's everything's cool. Whenever they're not together, he's all uptight. And he's like, stuff's not right, stuff's not right, stuff's not right. And of course, as we've pointed out, uh Dante uh has another part to play yep. in this film. Uh he in fact turns into Frida Kahlo. Oh I shouldn't say um, but there's tons of little things just all throughout the film that if you are sitting there looking for the details, sure, you could figure out the story. You're not going right. to. But it's fun when you're on, on viewings later on. That's like, oh, that makes, oh, that makes, oh. So the, the story in this case is so well crafted. Um, and it's, again, we've, we talked about this so many times. Story is the most important mm. thing. And this and is a you've good got, story. It is. And if it's a good story and it's well told, or in this case, again, well crafted, that's going to make all the difference in the world. Okay, on top of this, that that they've already done, they've well crafted a story. Sure, the film happens to be amazingly beautiful, happens to have great songs. Okay, sure, it's got great characters too, whatever. But uh, yeah, even if this film was animated with Brillo pads, I think it would have worked because the story is that good. Um, anything else before nope. we get to that? Nope. Uh, uh, yes. The, let's get to the huge, the huge <laughs> surprise of what we thought of this movie. The roundup. Um, all right. I would like to start off asking Bumpy. Bumpy, what did you think? See, you didn't expect that, did you? No, uh, no. You, you Bumpy, like. what do you think of this meat cleaver? <laughs> Too blunt. <laughs> Uh, so I real quick, Max. I usually ask yeah. you first if I'm hosting. Right. Uh, so you have only seen this twice. You yes. saw it when it came out, and just for the show. Yes. So when you first saw it, do you remember if you liked? it? I loved it when I first saw it. It blew me away. And uh, why uh, did you like it this time? I liked it even more this time. I think it not only holds up, I think it gets better. Is there a reason you think of that you didn't watch it between? I know it's only Honestly, three years. Honestly, it was. It was like I was saving it. It was mm -hmm. like, this isn't something I just want to watch for fun. This is something that I want to take in. That I have mm -hmm. to be in the right frame of mind because this this is, thing is a work of art. Yeah. You know, mainly, I mainly mean that visually, but also musically. And it's, mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to overdo it. There are some Pixar movies where I'll just, you know, oh, it's on, I'll watch this because, you know, it doesn't really, you know, the first Cars movie is like that. I will watch that in the background. 
Why? Because some of it's entertaining, if only okay. just hearing some of the voice acting is fun. And again, the scenery is beautiful. But mm-hmm. you don't have to engage your brain very much. Mm-hmm. And in this, you have this movie deserves your full attention. So cool. I think that's why I've said. What, what, I, I mean, obviously, you've seen this thing ten <laughs> times, so uh, I guess you hate it. Uh, I adore this film. I adored it when it came out. I adore it now. Um, it's like you actually have to go hunting for things that could potentially bother you. It's and I don't even care. Um, it is very beautiful. Uh, it is not the most beautiful animated film I think I've ever seen. The most hauntingly beautiful animated film I think I've ever seen is Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, and very different. we're obviously not going to talk. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that because it's not like it's not a uh, Pixar film. It's a Leica film. If you have not seen any Leica film, or if you've not seen specifically that, I can't recommend it before. It is amazingly beautiful. Um, that film did not get nearly enough press when it came out, but. I love all the performance in this. I love all of the songs in this. I love the way it looks. I love the culture. Um, I am totally cool anytime Disney or Pixar wants to make a movie about a foreign culture and present it with the same care that they did here. That's fair. And, uh, oh, there you are. Yep. <laughs> um, Moana, to a lesser extent. I didn't like Moana as much when I first saw it. I have since watched Moana again and again, and... I love the culture in that. I love the music, the way it's written, and the things that are important in that film. One of the things I didn't talk about in this film that is in my notes, and Pixar doesn't tend to do this anyway, is I love the fact that there's no tact on love story. Mm. The hero, it's like, we don't meet Miguelita or whatever, (laughs) right? He doesn't fall in love with somebody the way that so many other films, well, if we're having an adventure film, he's got to have a girlfriend. No, no, he doesn't. Or she has to have a boyfriend. No, no, she doesn't. We can can explore different things. And there's still, love is still central to this film. It just doesn't have to be a love story. The other thing I like about this that you see a lot in Disney, and it annoys me, is there isn't a lot of shoehorning of contemporary cultural references or language. No. You know, and even in Moana, I mean, they're Twitter jokes. But in this, nothing. But also, you can't really tell, until you get into the world of the dead, the land of the dead, and it's not until you get way deep into the land of the dead, could you even even get a real idea of when this is supposed to take place? To a degree, from the clothes. The clothes were, you figured were contemporary within the last 20 years. I could have been 30 or 40, really. It's a hoodie and jeans and whatever. And that's good. That is a good thing. We don't need to see the latest rap artist. We don't need to see, you know, whatever is currently popular on television in Mexico City. It's not important. It would Mm -hmm. just take away from the film. When we get to the, there's a big party scene and there's a DJ playing what's obviously supposed to be um, more street level. Yeah, there's like a, there's techno. The Battle of the Bands is. It's just it is one of the it's just a great sequence of sight gags. Each one is like half a second, and they are all wonderful. I love scapula, uh, <laughs> uh, and I think that was a very wise decision. They didn't try to make this contemporary. It's it because it doesn't matter. This could take place in nearly any time period, right? Pixar does a lot of that. I think. I mean, there's some that are a little more centered, but the time, the time period isn't as important, right? In, in most of them. Yeah, we don't see a single cell phone, and we don't need one. 
Uh, We get to the Land of the Dead, so we know it's post-1984 because there's a Macintosh in the the Land (laughs) of the Dead. That's it. That's the best we can do. And good. We don't need it. Um, But cultural references, which will lead me into asking you, what are we going to watch next week? (laughs) Do you see that Uh, segue there? That's uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this is another culture being embraced. Kind of. This, well, yeah, this... This one is more Disney-ish because we got us a princess. Yeah, yeah. So we are. What, what we kind are of take- princess do we have? Oh, woulda, woulda. We got us a fine Scottish lassie for a princess. Ooh, Hotman. <laughs> yes, now we've offended every Scotsman, a Scotswoman listening to this. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, oh yeah, for sure. You betcha. Boy, Scotswomen have, Scot- really, have really deep voices. <laughs> Yeah, well, lots of Scotsmen in Minnesota, don't you know? Um, (laughs) We're going to be doing Brave, Brave. which I think is a really interesting one, and you'll see why. Not always for the best reasons. Well, hey, I think it's even safe to say that it's not obvious whether we think this is one of their better ones or not one of their better ones. True, true. But maybe we'll find out next week. Oh, stay t- stay tuned. In other words, keep listening for seven days. Don't stop listening ever. And between now and then, have a bit of haggis. It's delicious. Be okay. This has been a co-production of the Voice of Max and the Movie Wrench. In fact, edit that out. Hoping you're going to edit that out, yeah. Or perhaps throw it at the end of the episode. Ay, ay, ay.